Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by ESPN's Todd Archer to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and by Tailgate Ted as we make you hungry by discussing desserts that we like to grill. You will enjoy it, your guests will enjoy these recipes, and your kids will love the grilled banana split, trust me. And with Todd, we talk about Dak Prescott's return, the changes on defense, and what to expect in year two of Coach Mike McCarthy's regime. Should Dallas be considered the favorite? What he saw from Ezekiel Elliott this spring that could translate into another big season for the running back. You can follow Todd on Twitter at Todd Archer, and you can read both of our work on ESPN.com. As camp draws closer, there will be more content up on ESPN.com in the form of roster projections, key questions entering the season, etc. I have a story up now, a timeline of events from the past two years regarding this franchise. It's been a lot, folks. And now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Todd Archer. Has Dallas's D done enough to warrant being considered the East favorite? All right, Todd. Well, I'm just let's start with this. In general, how would you rate Dallas's offseason? I, I don't think I could say it could have gone any better because of one thing, Dak Prescott and what he was able to do and what he's able to show. Uh, coming back from the right ankle injury he suffered against the Giants last year. Every day he we saw him out there. He looked like Dak Prescott. Um, he didn't look like he was favoring his leg. He didn't look like he was a guy that was laboring around. So if that's the number one goal, see how your quarterback is health-wise, the Cowboys have to feel good about it. You know, th- there are some other questions that the team has to answer, mostly on defense, that you're not going to answer in the springtime. But it does look like Dan Quinn has some, has some answers for this defense after just an abysmal season last year that, you know, more things will get sorted out when they get out to training camp. But this was a, a, a good, solid, productive offseason for the Cowboys that they seem like they'll be in a position to contend in our terrible division. <laughs> With Dak, what did you see from him just in the workouts? Because, I mean, obviously everybody's going to look at the ankle and see how he's moving all that. What did you see from him compared to what you've seen from him in the past? Honestly, nothing different. Uh, and I think that's mm. the encouraging part. Um you know, Dak has not been a great practice player. He's been a guy that the ball will sometimes go here, there, and everywhere, and you're like, geez, how did he miss that throw? But then they'll get into a two-minute drill or third down uh, situations, and he's on fire, and he doesn't miss a throw, and th- that guy was back. Uh, the, the only concession that I could see from Dak from the injury was his w- early warm-up, that he's doing more of that to get things going and get everything fired mm-hmm. up and ready to go for a full practice. But the Cowboys, this is the most I've ever seen it, John, was where they would do these scramble drills, design scramble drills in seven-on-seven seven or even, you know, 11-on-seven work 
where they just want to get the quarterbacks moving. Maybe that was to test Dak's ankle and see how it would hold up and things like that. But again, you didn't see him favoring anything. So uh, he, when they, when they start training camp, he's supposed to be out there doing everything and including 11 on 11 work to hopefully get guys quote falling near his legs, if not on his legs, obviously. Well, obviously we know the physical skills that he brings on the field. We see that just in the locker room and just, from a mental standpoint, what's the impact that his return will have on this team? Oh, it's huge because he, he's the the bonding force of this roster. He, he's the guy that everybody in the team follows and what he says goes. Um, so, you know, and, and, you know, Tyron Smith and Lael Collins, they're, they're two tackles that barely played. And, well, Collins didn't play at all. Right. They rehabbed a lot with, with Dak. And they said, you know, when you saw him working as hard as he was working, it pushed you to work that much harder. Uh, so his, his impact on this roster goes, yeah, I mean, obviously he's their quarterback. He's the guy who makes it all go. But it goes beyond just as a playing ability. It's, it's how he puts himself out there for the other guys to follow. And really, everybody follows him. It's, it's, it's a little bit like Jason Witten in that respect, although it's coming from the quarterback spot where what he says goes. Um, I also, in terms of reading what you know, how things were going this this spring for them in workouts, Ezekiel Elliott sounded like he looked lighter, faster. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would say. You know, you want to ask about your Ohio State Buckeyes? No, I get it. You know, that's all you can really care about. Um, yeah, he he did look better. Uh, he did look uh, he he didn't look as thick. I'm never going to say a guy is out of shape because I mean, man, look at us. We're not in shape. Who are we going to <laughs> criticize these people? But he does. He did look. He did. He did look quicker. He did look like a guy who has maybe something to prove, and I think has a little bit of motivation. We've seen him with a with a running backs coach uh, working on footwork drills. We didn't see that before, um, you know. And, and I'm beyond the they want to get him more involved as a pass catcher. Nope, don't worry about that one. You got Tony Pollard. You got these receivers. You got these tight ends. Zeke doesn't mean be running these different kind of patterns. Hand him the ball. And he had two 100-yard games last year. I don't think he had more than 105 yards in a game all season. I think he had three yard runs of 20 yards or more. Obviously, those numbers have to go up. But I'll go back to before Dak got hurt. He was on pace for about 1,100, 1,200-yard season. Again, not what you'd expect from Zeke, but certainly not the fall-off that we saw after Dak got hurt. So I, I think you you know – Dak's already won the comeback player of the year award, right? I mean, he'll be the favorite going into the season. I would imagine. I saw this last year with Alex Smith. Right. So, uh, but, but Zeke could be the rebound player of the year uh, based on how he's looked in this off season. And, and I think the other factor for him too, is that offensive line, you brought up those, ta- you know, the, the other, you know, Collins and Smith. I mean, the impact of that line being healthy has got to be pretty big for them. Oh, that that's the whole key, right? And even Dak told us that in the in the mini camp is like, look, it's good that we're all here, but those are the guys that make it go. And you know, Smith, Tyron Smith played two games before having neck surgery. Dale Collins didn't play one, didn't play a game at all because of hip surgery. And Zach Martin missed six games because of a concussion and, and a calf injury. So you add those guys back, the line is automatically better than what it was. Is it? The, the standard bearer of the league and what the Cowboys were, you know, when, when Frederick was around and all those three guys, four guys were playing at a high level, probably not, but it's still good enough to be among the better groups in the league. And you know, Tyron Smith could have had this surgery the way it was explained to me a couple of years ago and didn't, 
but now he's saying this is as good as he's felt in years, and he wants to play until the, the wheels come off. Uh, Leo Collins has, has now been able to work out and, and get himself in good shape, and is down 10 pounds. And Zach Martin, to me, is still the best guard in the NFL, and he showed last year if they need him, he can play right tackle and be really good at it. So, you know, Tyler Biotish, their second-year center, he's the guy that needs to make a jump, and then Connor Williams or Connor McGovern is their left guard. The, the, I guess the good news about having to play 13 different offensive line combinations is you have guys now with experience that if something right. were to happen, you can go in and say, okay, there's going to be a drop-off, but you're not going to guys that have never played before. So uh, the, the Cowboys line is the key to this whole thing when you look at their receivers, their tight ends, their quarterback. If those guys don't do the job up front, it doesn't matter who's, who's back there because you're just not going to have time or, time or space or holes to get big plays. And then, you know, you brought up defense earlier, Dan Quinn coming in as the, de- as the defensive coordinator, replacing Mike Nolan. What's been the Im- – again, it's spring. So everybody, right. as you know, like everything in the spring always sounds great. Like, oh, God, there's been a huge difference because this guy's changed the atmosphere. This guy's changed this and that. Yeah. And then, you know, you hear stuff later. But what is the early, early impact um, of Dan Quinn? It's all, the, all of what you just talked about, right? It's all ice cream and cupcakes at this point. And some of it is based on just how bad they were last year with Mike Nolan, the, right. the most points allowed in franchise history, the second most rushing yards they've ever allowed in a season. Uh, yeah, they got some takeaways late in the year, but it wasn't a, a, a year. There was nothing good about last year. I don't care what anybody's – how they're going to sugarcoat how they played towards the end because they weren't playing any really solid top-notch quarterbacks either. Um, but Quinn has brought an attitude – uh, you know, I always hate this. He's changed the culture. I mean, come on. It's going to matter when <laughs> when the when they start playing real games. Right. But the biggest thing that he's done is gone back to a scheme that they're familiar with. And, and the, really the one that they would use under Rod Marinelli and, and Chris Richard that had them, uh, I'm just going to say, 10th to 14th in the league consistently in their rankings. They, right. they're, they're, this is not going to be a defense like the like Washington's defense that – you, you, you could win some games 13 to 10. They, they, the Cowboys aren't going to be that way, but they don't, they're not going to have to win games 41, 39 this year. And Quinn, right. you know, he'll bring some confidence. He'll bring some changes and tweaks to, to the defense that will put players in positions to succeed. Whereas I think last year's scheme, as much as they said they didn't want to do it was about this, the scheme, the players fitting the scheme and not the other way around. Hmm. And, you know, a, a guy, you know, Quinn will be a big difference maker. Um, George Edwards is now the de facto linebackers coach. He'll be overseeing what Micah Parsons, Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, what those guys were able to do. I think that'll help their growth. And Joe Witt is now the secondary coach, back with Mike McCarthy, but was with Dan Quinn down in Atlanta. So there's a good melding of scheme and philosophy that I think helps this defense become better, but not the 85 Bears. How how much change would there be at linebacker? Are Van Der Esch and, and Jalen Smith, and what's what's their status there? I wish I could tell you, but uh, th- this is my thought about drafting Micah Parsons. Um, Micah Parsons was not brought in to replace Van Der Esch because they played different positions. Right. Micah Parsons is right. playing the Mike spot, and that's where Jalen Smith is moving back to. Van Der Esch is going to the weak side where he played his first two seasons. It's a better fit for him, get some protection up in front, and be able to run and cover guys because that's what he does really well. So week one, I assume you, you, you'll see 
and look, base defense doesn't really matter, but if they're going a base traditional right. four three, I will say that the linebackers will be Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, and Micah Parsons. And really they view Parsons as a little bit of an everything, but they draft that you see some elements of him coming off the edge in the spring had you intrigued. Now, he wasn't rushing any So, you know, it's good that he's beating the right. guys that he was going against, but let's see how you're going to do when you're going against a left tackle is among the best in the game when, when he's healthy. But I think for me, Jalen Smith, you better be on it this year. You're $7.2 million, it's guaranteed. You haven't played well in the last couple of years. Uh, you you, you got to be able to move and cover and do some things better than you've done. Um, I, I think this is a big year for him. And, you know, heck, man, he paid four hundred and fifty or $60,000 to change the number from 54 to 9. So if you're putting that kind of money out there, you better be able to back that up by making the position switch because I don't, you know, it, it, you could be done after this year with the Cowboys. Absolutely. And, and, Last topic here, looking at the NFC East, how do you how do you rate the division at this point? I mean, what do you how do you view where Dallas fits in, Washington, et cetera? How do you rate this at this point? Yeah, you know, I'm gonna be this is damning with faint praise. It'll be better than it was last year. Um I don't know if that <laughs> says a lot, but you know, to me, God, I hope so healthy. Uh, with the offensive line healthy, with their I think I think I would put the Cowboys as the favorite. Uh, I think Washington is there uh, to a degree as well. But as you know, no one's repeated in this division since 2003 or 04. Now, that doesn't mean they can't, but it seems for the people People who are saying that Washington is the clear-cut favorite are banking on Ryan Fitzpatrick being something he's never been his entire career. Uh, defense is going to be great. Really, to ten, uh, you know, and if you know Heineke's got to play, there's some question marks. Honestly, I think the the the, the sleeper team in this whole thing, the Giants, they've made. I knew they were going to be dangerous. Yeah. Back. It looks like their line should be better than it was. Their defense is pretty good. And I thought Joe Judge, there was one point at last season where I thought the Giants were going to win this thing. And, and they kind of fell, fell apart late. I think the Giants could be right there. So I think to me, it's it's three teams. It's, it's Dallas, Washington, and New York. And Philly's going to need too much stuff to go right for them, to, in my mind, to compete right now, which means – Philly will win this division and we'll look like idiots when you replay this thing uh, at one point when the season starts. Well, of course, because at this point last year, we were all picking Washington at seven and nine. So you're right about Fitzpatrick. I think that's a big key. And I think there's an improvement there at quarterback, but to what extent and for how long, because he's never taken a team to the playoffs. And while I think Taylor Heineke has been intriguing, we don't really know more than one game, what he can do. And he's added some muscle in the offseason, but was that the only reason why he was out of the league for two years? I don't know. I think we'll see, we'll learn a lot more about him this summer, and that's going to really determine how far they go. And their schedule is tougher as far as quarterbacks who they're facing. But I do like what they've done in the offseason. I think, I think this will be a fun division to cover this year. 
not just from a will anybody win more than six games standpoint, but from a it's going to be a tight race and down the stretch. And it'll be I think it'll be a lot more enjoyable from our end to write about and not have to do roundtable discussions about is this the worst you know division in the league still or whatever. So it'll be fun. So there you go. Well, Todd, um, appreciate it. And we'll check back in when these guys meet up in, I think it's in December for the first time. So we got a long time before we'll meet, um, meet again. After this break, I'll be back with tailgate Ted as we discuss grilled nectarines. Yep. Let's talk about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. On Underdog Fantasy, you just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. They're going to give you $25 when you sign up so you can take a free shot at a $1 million grand prize in their fantasy football tournament. That's right. You can get a free $25 in bonus cash on Underdog Fantasy if you use the code KIME, K-E-I-M, when you make your first deposit. I love Underdog because it's just so easy to use. The mobile app is slick. The website is user-friendly. So do what I've been doing. Go to underdogfantasy.com, join a league, draft a team, and that's it. You're good for the season. Remember, go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store, sign up with the code KIME, K-E-I-M, and get a free $25 in bonus cash. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Tailgate Head. Well, it's kind of backed by popular demand because I've had a lot of people say, I like the, the grilling segments. And especially now, this is the best time of the year to do. Well, any time of the year is the best time, but right now is a good time. And I think if you have guests and kids and you can fancy them with your, you know, um, entree skills, there's also desserts. And I know like one of the, I have some desserts that my kids absolutely love. So I want to bring on tailgate Ted to see what his favorite desserts to grill are. And there are a lot of things you can do on the grill. Desserts are one of them. And Ted, thanks for coming on. Do you have a favorite dessert that you like to grill? How much time do we have, John? So, <laughs> thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. But I, I definitely have my go-tos when it comes to grilling desserts. And a lot of people kind of sleep on grilling fruit. Yes. It tastes so good because those natural sugars in the fruit get released from the heat of that grill and caramelize. I mean, it's yep. just such a great way to really pull out the richness of that fruit. But my number one go-to is probably a grilled nectarine Ooh, all right. with some turbinado sugar on top. It's yep. kind of like that thicker crystal sugar. Yep. And then once you get those nice grill marks and it crystallizes so much short of like a creme brulee type of crystallize on top, I'll take some vanilla bean ice cream and then put that right inside that dimple of that nectarine. And it just sits there perfectly. That is outstanding. I have one along those lines. It's a grilled pear. And it's the same thing where you're basically, you, you get some grill marks on there. But then I also put a little bit of brown sugar. First, a little bit of just melts, melts a little bit of butter, but then some brown sugar on there. Let it soak in. 
but I also smoke some pecans. Ooh. And then, so you put the ice cream on there with the smoked pecans on there as well. So that's one of my, and have you done the uh, grilled banana split? I haven't done the grilled banana split. I've done banana, strawberry, and cantaloupe kebabs. Oh, ooh, tell me about that one. So it's it's a sneaky way to get kids to eat their fruit because they love anything on a stick. Just cut the <laughs> end, the pointy end off of it. But, you know, I'll just chop up some bananas. You know, really what's in season, what you can kind of get fresh and put those on a kebab and really just let everything caramelize. You obviously you want to put it on lower heat. Right. So you don't go too, too crazy. And you don't really want to do any kind of mushy fruit. That's why a banana holds up very well. Same with strawberries. You could even throw some pineapple on there as well. Right. And it's just a nice way to kind of enjoy the summer and also let some of that food digest. You know, to me, it's a perfect way to end a meal. Yes. And, and I agree with um, one thing on the nectarine, how long, how long did you, would you, would it typically take for you to get it to where you want it? So I'd say about four minutes, okay. but everybody's grill is a little bit True. different depending on the hot spots. And really once you start getting those marks and you start to see that caramelization, because the one thing about grilling is you don't sauce too early because that sauce will burn. Right. And it's the same thing with fruit because it's going to caramelize you want to make sure the heat's not too high or you don't leave it on too long because then you're just going to get charred. It's going to be an unpleasant taste. There, you're, you're right. Um, the banana split. And that, I mean, my kids have loved that one. And it's just, it's for anybody listening, it's an easy one. I probably talked about this before, but you just, you basically, you keep it peeled, you split it, you cut it in half. Um, and then I pour some melted butter and then put some chocolate chips throughout there, Ooh. wrap it up in foil and grill for about 10 minutes. So this chocolate melts in there and then you get your ice cream, you build the float, the, the banana split from there. Um, and then the other thing is with pineapples that I like to do is mix it with brown sugar and cinnamon. Let it sit in the fridge for about a half hour or so. Let it all soak in and then grill that. And it's like you're eating candy at that point. Oh, yeah. So so the so last thing then now to balance out all this sugary goodness the vegetables. Yeah, what's your? Do you have a go-to vegetable that you like to grill? Uh, to me, a portobello mushroom, just right. a nice fat cap of a portobello mushroom, and you can almost make them into little pizzas, if you will. Where I understand we're getting a little off of the vegetable mark there, but you can put some cheese on top of that, and it's really like a nice vessel, and it sits perfectly on top of that grill. How long do you do? Well, like how long would that one go? So you kind of want to do it roughly about five minutes per side. That way it heats all the way through and medium to high heat, not too, too low on that, just because it can handle and it can stand up in that heat. Ted, awesome. People are now salivating and rushing to their grill. So I think we have made everybody either hungry or, or whatever. And I hope you're not in a diet if you're listening. Definitely not. Definitely not. I appreciate you coming on and one of the best fans I know of this franchise. And um, I think people need to follow you on Twitter and where can they, where can they follow your stuff? At tailgate Ted on all your social media sites. You can find me on there. You'll see pictures of me and my dog and me grilling up some desserts. There you go. Ted, thanks a lot. Thank you, John. Take care. What's up. It's Mike Jones from the football Jones podcast. I know you're enjoying your time with the John Kime report. But once you're done, I want to invite you to come over and check out my podcast. 
Each week, we take a deep dive into some of the most pressing topics around the NFL. High-profile guests from the coach, player, and front office ranks, as well as the top league insiders. Check out the Football Jones Podcast, another fine product brought to you by Empire Media. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Todd and Ted for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode next week. Talk to you next time.